Animation began with living frames from France. A plus century past, all expectations are past. Artistic pursuit in time creates an unmatched cartoon entertainment state. The vocal talent audio modulates to which the dub talk podcast would call first rate. This episode, the podcast here has progressed. Let's talk about a cartoon that was made in the West. Dub talk, dub talk, dub talk, dub talk. Just a warning to you all who don't heed the call. There will be language used that's not suit to protocol. Those younger in years to which swearing's a fear. Discretionary listing really should be adhered. Spoiler culture's another thing to be forewarned. That's why we say this up front so you won't get scorned. Plot and secrets, twisted theories, all will get discussed. If you haven't seen the show yet, don't blame us. A final fact to note with all the things that have been wrote about the many opinions spoken by our hosts. Don't reflect the whole group, that's a basic rule to know. Alright, I think they got the point. Let's talk about Kipo! Aloha, one and all, and welcome to the confiscated episode of Dub Talk. Um, you may notice uh, something's a little different around here, because uh, usually on this podcast, we like to talk about Japanese cartoons and their English dubs that have been adapted for us to listen to. The thing is, though, uh, we were getting uh, ready to expand beyond that. I should be more specific. I stole the podcast, and I've decided to do something a little different here. And do you know what uh, Lilac can do about it? Absolutely nothing. We are going rogue here tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because for the first time ever, we are talking about an American cartoon. Woo! <gasps> Gasp! Anarchy! It is so much anarchy. Yes, yes. Burn it all to the ground. I'm burning it to the ground. And what better episode? What better show? What better cartoon to uh, absolutely uproot the system with than one that takes place after the apocalypse? Can't argue with that. I mean, um, you got all your fun, fancy show. You can keep your, um, uh, you can keep your Thundercats Roar and your Infinity Train and your Amphibias, all those fun shows. No, we want a show that takes place 200 years in the future, where human civilization is basically on the verge of extinction. That's what I want to talk about here, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dub Talk, and welcome to the special edition episode where we're going to talk about the Netflix exclusive DreamWorks Animation production, Kipo. And the Age of Wonder Beasts. Uh, my name is Noah Clue. You know me as the cartoon guy, and I'm earning that title here. But in order to talk about this show, which has a lot of different elements to it, I have brought along, first, I need a music man. So, because the show has a lot of music in it, please welcome Amandul. Salutations, everybody. And because this is a special edition episode, we have a special guest with us today. Some of you may know him from his series Cartoon Clip Show. And he's also in the work in making his very own cartoon as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, give a big dub talk round of applause to Rob the Wonderful. Sup? Oh, come on now, man. Introduce yourself to the world. This is a brand new audience <laughs> opened up to your magnificent curly hairedness. <laughs> uh, how you doing? I'm Rob the Wonderful from YouTube fame. Uh, I guess you can call it fame. Um... I have a cartoon clip show series where I review uh, cartoons, mostly from the 80s and 90s, but I do just about anything. Uh, I've been taking requests lately, and I actually have a more recent one coming up, but uh, yeah, it's uh, something I've been working on for a very long time, and I really enjoy doing it, and uh, they brought me on to talk about a, sh a show. 
Yeah, because we, uh, you know, the fine folks at Dub Talk are, you know, they watch some cartoons now and then, but I, I needed a real cartoon expert. I needed a guy who, uh, who knows his studios, who knows his people, and, uh, well, let's just say knows his different eras of Thundercats as well. Oh, i well familiar, I assure you. C can we agree that the 2011 series is the best of the three? It was really good. It just never got finished. I know. I know. <sighs> but uh, hopefully that won't happen to this show, um, because Kippo uh, is a show that just came out about a month ago. Uh, we are recording this, yeah, less than a month since it dropped on Netflix. All ten episodes of it, and you probably, if you're new here, in that you don't watch cartoons like a good human being, you probably want to know what this show is about. So, in the 200 years in the future, uh, society has basically gone berserk, um... Animals have evolved to gigantic sizes. Some of them have developed human speech and their own societies. And humans have kind of been driven underground. They are no longer the tip of the food chain. So this story focuses on one individual human named Kippo, who is a 13-year-old girl who has spent her whole life living underground where it's safe from all of the dangerous beasts that inhabit the surface world. In our first episode, though, she is washed out of her safe home into the real world, and she has to go on an adventure to basically refind her people, especially her dad. And in the process, she encounters not just the many beasts who inhabit the surface world, but also several humans who have learned to live here as well. Um, and we're going to talk about all of them today. So far be it from us to talk about a show on dub talk without actually talking about the dub. Except it's not really a dub this time now, is it? Because there was no Japanese audio to start with. No, it just kind of is. It is, so I, I may have to <laughs> rename the show a little bit. This is Toon Talk. I'll think of a better name later. <laughs> but um, anyways, thank you guys for joining in on this. Um, uh, we're going to uh, start talking about the cast here, but before we do that, um, I want to know, uh, Rob, uh, what was your uh, impressions of the show overall? Um, well, I remember seeing the, the teaser a while ago, which was um, uh, it was a scene from... Uh, episode one where she was just kind of sitting in a room playing a guitar and it was all like solemn and kind of kind of you know interesting and then a giant bird came through the window and attacked her uh yeah and that's where the that's where that's where the uh the teaser ended and i was very intrigued by that that's that's definitely how you do a promo for a show <laughs> um so then uh, i got around to watching it and uh it was uh, it was very interesting. I really liked the uh, the world they built. Uh, it had a lot of fun characters. Uh, the music was very interesting. The music choice was very interesting. I, I think we'll talk about that later, though. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I I I enjoyed it. Very good. Uh, Amon, speaking of music, um, your mm -hmm. takeaways from this. Noah, you ever Sir. you ever felt pandered to, like by accident? Uh, you, mm, very rarely, and, and when that when that really happens, it feels very good. That's what I felt like with this show. The show has a lot of just stuff that I like. <laughs> it's got post-apocalypse, monsters, music, uh, semi-obscure actors who I have a deep fondness for who don't get enough work. Uh, it's it's I'm I'm I am heavily enjoying this show. I, I I hope it does its numbers and can continue onward. I will happily watch it until it's until whenever this is great like yeah because there have been a couple of netflix animated series that only got one season even though it was perfectly uh 
could have gone on for multiple seasons. So I do hope this one also continues on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this this is a show that I didn't really even know about until a couple days before it dropped. And I have to thank one person specifically. Um, one person I follow on Twitter is uh, an animator and storyboard artist named Tonico Pantoja. Um, you may have seen his work before. He's got that cute dancing yellow cartoon dog in his uh, avatar, and he does a lot of tutorials as well. Uh, one thing that he uh, did is he uh, helped work on uh, this show. And so he posted some of his uh, concept animation, his uh, pencil test animation, basically. And I'm like, what, what is this show? I need to check this out. And that's why I checked it out. Turned out to be a really good choice because uh, this was a great way to start the year with a show that had a lot of great concepts, uh, a lot of good individual episodes, which I love in the show. I love a show that each episode can stand on its own and it makes the whole show even better. So let, let's jump into talking about the staff a little bit here. Um, so this show, uh, usually we do ADR director and scriptwriter. We're going to break it up a little bit for this particular show. We're going to talk about the creator. We're going to talk about the producer, and we're going to talk about the two ADR directors who put this whole thing together. This show was created by Radford Seacrest. Um, that's a name you may not recognize, but you've definitely seen some of his work, because he's been working at DreamWorks Feature Animation since 2006. Um, some of his more high-profile things is he worked on uh, How to Train Your Dragon series, and um, he, this is actually a show based on a webcomic that he started a couple years ago. Um, and then Higher Up saw it, really liked it, and said, you know what, we kind of want to make a TV show out of this. Um, but to make that into a TV show, they called on, um, basically, he gets credited as developed by Bill Wolkoff. Um, he's uh, more of a writer, actually. He's, uh, he's done episodic writing on shows like Tron Uprising, Star Wars Rebels, and um, this is kind of an outlier, but he wrote for the show Once Upon a Time. Uh, the, the, I don't the, know the the Disney live action show on ABC. Yeah, yes that huh. that one. He wrote many episodes for that show. Wild, it is. So I, I'm not sure uh, what the crossover was there, but um, this is his first time producing a show. So um, uh, I guess we'll talk about how that experience tied into the uh, development from webcomic to finished product. But we also have to talk about the ADR directors here, the, the individuals who actually directed our cast to make sure that the voice acting was consistent throughout. Uh, for the main voice director, we have Christy Reed. Now, that's a name you may recognize if you're more of an anime person because uh, she's done directing work on Last Exile and Excel World. Um, but more prominently, she's basically been a voice director on, and I can't emphasize this enough, Every single Cartoon Network show in the past five years, Infinity Train, We Bear Bears, Steven Universe, just about everything on there, she's had a hand in. So uh, this wasn't really a big jump to go from Cartoon Network animation to Netflix animation. And she was helped out uh, for a couple of episodes by Serena Irwin. And that's a person who's also done kind of a one-shot voice direction on a couple episodes in pretty much every DreamWorks series recently. Like, she helped out in Puss in Boots, she helped out in Voltron, and she helped out in She-Ra as well. So that's who we're working with here. I'm going to pass the microphone over to Amon to start with here. Um, How was it listening to a cartoon uh, dub, or voice acting, I guess, for this? I mean, it was good. Um, I haven't watched all of the uh, animated shows that have been done for Netflix, whether by DreamWorks or other people. Uh, but the ones I've seen, I've always, I always find notable. Um, when people talk about movies made for Netflix, I often comment on, depending on which one they are, some of them feel more like made-for-TV-ish. 
mm-hmm. and I found that most of the cartoons tend to avoid this. A lot of them feel like, oh, these this is clearly on the same level as something that would get broadcast on Cartoon Network or Nickelodeon during a good year, something like that. Uh, and this is no exception to that. I think, like, this... It sounds authentically like a cartoon, if that makes any sense. Like, this feels very much like something on par with, like, Adventure Time or We Bear Bears or something like mm-hmm. that. Like, it's... And, you know, which I always think of as being, like... Like, the voice acting in those shows is so... I mean, it's integral, is saying it's going to be redundant, but, um... Like, it's it's so, like, well-produced. It's one of those things where, like, I, you'd, you'd often don't think about the voice acting that hard. It's just like, oh, these are the characters. And they're talking. Yeah, it's a good way to put it, because I, I know the, the archetype years ago was that cartoonish voice acting was uh, more of your Looney Tunes style, and mm-hmm. that uh, it, was, it wasn't your acting, it's that you were putting on an affectation. Mm-hmm. But we've really shattered that in um, I don't know, the past 15 years, especially with everything that people have put out. Yeah, and I thought, I thought, like, I think this just feels like a good example of it. Like, these are, some of these are, like, some of the roles in here are actors I'm familiar with, some are not. Uh, or they're people who I'm mostly familiar with as, like, you know, live-action actors, not necessarily people who do voice acting all that much. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're gonna it's going to be interesting. <laughs> we, get, we got some interesting voices. I'm, I'm doing big air quotes here. Voices <laughs> to talk about. Ah. Hmm. Um, but it all, it all feels really, like, strong and cohesive. Like, uh, I do want to give credit, even though there are, like, some somewhat high-profile actors in here, very little of this feels like actual stunt casting. And kind of like, oh, we're going to put this famous name in here, and whether or not they're, you know, particularly adept at voiced acting or not, and that'll kind of be a selling point. I feel like there was, there was a conscious effort to try and match actors to what the character is going to be and what that character needs. Um, and Definitely. I, and, I, and I like it when I do see that in cartoons like this, because I feel like, especially with how much of Western animation is localized in Hollywood, I feel like the temptation to just stunt cast is relatively strong depending on your budget and who you can hire. Um, I mean, I haven't, I mean, I haven't really seen that much of that recently. Um, no. Like, there's a lot of times where, um, kind of a recent example was, um, help me out here, Rob. Who voiced um, uh, the Pony Discord in My Little Pony? I know he's a Star Trek actor, but I can't remember what the name is. Oh, uh, John Delancey. Thank you. Yeah, it, that it was, was Q like, on Star Trek. It was Q. That's right. And that that felt like. Uh, felt like the character may have kind of been created for him instead of getting an actor for a character. But yeah, yeah. But something like this, like I, I didn't really feel like anything in the show was like we made the character with this specific actor in mind. Passing it off to Rob, um, thoughts on the overall uh, voice acting? The voice acting was very good. Um, I don't know how many. Some of them sounded very young, but I don't think they they were. Um, I know uh, uh, Kippo's voice actor. She's uh, she's not a child. That's correct. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm not sure about the other two, but uh, if they were, they did a really good job. I can I can tell you that um, Wolf's voice actress is... Now, this is just current age. Uh, she's currently 17, and she was probably a lot younger because uh, they, they probably recorded this uh, more than a year ago. Hmm. Yeah, so but she was still, like, in her teenagers. Yeah. So. Um, but, yeah, they they're uh, really good. Um it had a lot of uh, surprise voices in here that um, I didn't really expect until I, I read the the voice cast. <laughs> some some voice actors that I really like too. Uh, there are so, like, like I said, there's a lot of uh, surprising voices in here, and uh, at first, some of them I didn't even recognize when I uh, was watching the show. Mm-hmm. 
But when I when I went to go look up the voice cast, I was like, wow, they got that person really. <laughs> They went high profile on this. Like, it, not only is the production really good, but yeah, they they pulled people from, re- like, uh, uh, award winning performers for this. Yeah, and, and uh, that's one thing I really like because you got some like actual you know celebrities behind this, but you also have some very high profile actual voice actors mixed in as well. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of a lot of variety. Yeah, and this was a California production, so yeah, when we go through this, we're gonna hear a couple of the. Uh, the better-known uh, cartoon voices that you probably heard before. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the entire concept of the show was, uh, like Amon said, kind of pandering a little bit. And I don't... It's It reminded me a lot of Attack on Titan in just the idea of you got humanity kind of on the verge of extinction at the mercy of much larger creatures, and they're also in hiding. But it's like a happier version of that. Because no one, no one dies tragically in this show. Tragically enough, um, I think I remember a couple. There, there were, you're right. There were okay. There were no. Gr- granted, they weren't like any, you know, important characters, but still. Okay, yeah, we we can do without. <laughs> also, there was no on-screen deaths. I don't think. Correct me if I'm forgetting, but I don't think anyone died on screen. Not ex- not explicitly, uh, at least I don't no. think. Yeah, no. Okay, <laughs> that's. So that that was refreshing. It, it's the kind of show that uh, kind of yeah straddles that in between line of the dark, grittier things. Like specifically, the creators wanted to make uh, a show based on like Game of Thrones or The Walking Dead, and that kind of you know this is after everything has gone to hell kind of living, but uh, making it uh, accessible to all ages. So that's why I kind of question yeah. whether or not this should be considered a kids show because I feel that it's gathered uh, an audience of all ages. It, it's very misleading, I think, because the the <clears throat> the it has a lot of like bright colors and very upbeat a very upbeat attitude, and the uh, the soundtrack again also helps with that. And it, I feel like it all kind of distracts on how horrible this world really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this- what are you talking about? That we got a theme park with rats, and we got a guitar playing snakes. Like, what are you talking about? This world isn't good. Oh. Oh, well, well, the rats were cool because they they let everybody have fun in their place. That they are. You can't say the same for some of the some of the other characters. <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I feel. I feel like. I, I like. I feel like calling this a kid show seems odd, but I feel like it, it's it. If it's in that same line that I think um, Avatar kind of helped cultivate, where like it's appropriate for kids, but I think there's a consciousness that like, oh, people older than that will watch this as well, and we can definitely like, we can we can I, we can be more mature than like a stereotypical kid show. Yeah, it's a it's a family yeah. show. You watch it. You watch it with your parents. That's a good way to describe it. Like this feels. I get the same vibe off of this that I did watching like um like uh, when Justice League was originally coming out back mm. in the early thousands. Uh, me and my dad would watch that all the time, and I was in like early middle school, I think, at that time. But mm-hmm. yeah, it felt like a a family bonding experience with uh you know with uh, good guys punching bad guys. I mean, what what, what what better to bond over? But a little, a little exactly. casual violence. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there's some of that in this show, too. Indeed. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, sounds like on production side of things, good job to uh, Radford and Bill for developing this. And, yeah, Christy and Serena did a really good job on directing. We'll get into depth on who they actually directed, I guess, coming up here. Mm-hmm. So um, there's a large cast in this whole show. Every ep- The gimmick of the show, kind of, is that every episode introduces a different Wonder Beast, or as they refer to in the show, mutes because there's this dynamic of humans are 
you know, humans. And then anyone who's not a human is called a mute in this universe, even if they can actually speak. It's kind of a apartheid system, but except the humans are the ones being oppressed this time. So we won't talk about all of the side characters, but we might in passing. I know Amon's got a couple that he really wants to talk about, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> but before we go any further, we need to talk about the, the two major villains of the show, the ones who are the biggest antagonists, uh, because, uh, you know, bad guys are just so much fun. So <laughs> the, the biggest bad guy of the whole show is, uh, is a mandrill... A British-voiced mandrill who sweats mind-control potion, plays the piano, and controls giant flying flamingos and basically wants to enslave all of the remaining humanity on Earth. He's a blast at parties. Uh, his name is Scarlemagne, and uh, yes, that is... I, I'm assuming that name was taken from Charlemagne. Look that up for you history nerds <laughs> out there. He was a joy. Just Charlemagne was the best. And uh, I, I do love me a good over-the-top villain. Can't get much more over-top than this. The, the more camp, the better. Are you telling me that uh, a guy who dresses like that, plays the piano extravagantly, and has an evil laugh, is reaching over-the-top levels? Mm. Perhaps. A little bit. <laughs> So, to, uh, in addition, though, we have a, a recurring villain who's not really so much a big bad. He's just a big pain in the, the ass. Uh, we have a frog mod. And, yes, I said frog mod. Like, okay, so in this world, the frogs are, like, businessmen. Like, they wear suits and ties. And one of them is continuously trying to capture Kipo and her friends and basically bring them in. Because, you know, humans uh, bring fetch a high price in this world. His name is Jamek. And he's not threatening exactly but he does make things difficult for the whole crew so we'll talk about him in a bit so scarlamane is voiced by dan stevens um now again he's done quite a bit of really high profile stuff before he was uh thomas richardson in the apostle movie he you know all you Ab downton abbey fans out there he was matthew crowley but uh you, you don't care about that what you care about is the fact that he was the beast in the 2017 beauty and the beast movie this is a really far cry from that. Yeah, I'd say so. And Jamak is voiced by Jake Green. Um, he's more of a voice actor, like an actual voice actor, because most of the roles I found for him are in Netflix-released anime. Um, he was uh, Pavis in Force of Piano. He is Kuri Kuro... I can't pronounce this right. Kurowiwa. He's this name on the screen, in Revisions. And he's also uh, quite a few characters in the Kabaneri Battle of the Iron Fortress, Battle of Una Unato. I believe that's a movie, if I read that correctly. I don't remember if it was a movie or a follow-up. Amon, do you I know? I think that one's a movie, if memory. I remember there being a movie announced, and I think that's what it is. I thought, Yeah, because I, I don't remember there being an announcement for, a second, for an additional season of the show. Hmm. So, um, so... Uh, Rob, since you were talking about over-the-top villains, um, does Dan Stevens reach the camp level? D does he get the coveted Hades Award for this show? Oh, uh, I think... Yeah, I I'd say so. I mean, any villain that captures humans and forces them to dance in, uh, like... Like, um... Yep. You know, powdered wigs and, and <laughs> fancy outfits... Yeah, I think you're going you're going full camp. 
yeah, he fancies himself like you know better than the humans that he captures. He, he even you know he, he considers them lesser beings, <laughs> despite the fact that he's fully embraced their their fashion and their music from five hundred years ago. Yeah. Now I'm not really familiar with. I I gotta admit I haven't seen much Downton Abbey. Is this on par with his performance in that show? I I I I know of Dan Stevens from some things, but none of them are Downton Abbey. Uh, some of them are a little. The other things I know him for are The Apostle, uh, which mm-hmm. is a good movie, but he's much quieter in that uh, because horrible things are happening to everybody, <laughs> and he's the hero. Uh, and the other one is a horror movie called The Guest, where he plays... How do I put this? Imagine if the Terminator was a really suave, handsome man. But he was still going to murder you. Amon, are you telling me that the Terminator is not a suave, handsome man? If you've seen a photo of Dan Stevens, you know he is... <laughs> he's more Britishly handsome than Schwarzenegger, let's say. <laughs> That's a good way. Of put- He's very British. He's very British. <laughs> I mean, yeah. To, to give Rob's point, it, you needed an overtop villain like this because I, I feel like if it was too, like if he wasn't fun to watch, then yeah, we wouldn't care at all. He reminds me a lot of the Blue Meanies from the Yellow Submarine movie, except maybe slightly less ephemerate, only slightly. Yeah, I can. I can see that. <laughs> Now, in the webcomic this was uh, originally based on, um, if I read correctly, I think Radford originally intended for uh, this character to be human as well, um, except he was more of a cannibal. So, when you say that uh, the show is dark, it, it can be dark, but it ac- they actually toned it down more than they originally planned to. That's that's interesting. I, I actually looked around for the webcomic after I found out it was based on one. Um, and as far as I can tell, I don't think he actually posted that much of it online. Uh, it looks like I could find like maybe about thirty pages, uh, and then I th- yeah. and then I think around the time DreamWorks was like, "Hey, we because he actually he actually made a news post is like, hey, I'm sorry guys, I'm gonna stop the comic because I'm gonna try and pitch it as a cartoon. So uh, here's some here's some like storyboards I made. Yeah, he actually he quit his job. Well, he didn't entirely quit, but he left his full time job at DreamWorks to devote more time to working on this web comic. Hmm. And then when they, they found it, I think uh, unaware of who was even making it or the fact that it was one of their employees making it, they liked <laughs> the concept of it. And it's just like, oh, by the way, we want to make this into a TV show. <laughs> so, so yes, yeah, so Scarlamane could have been even even darker than, uh, than he already is. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, he definitely has a deliciously maniacal laugh. That, that first episode where we see him leading the group dancing... And he's just absolutely having a ball with himself. I'm like, aw, th- I like this guy already. So on the topic of Jake Green then, um, uh, Rob, any uh, standout thoughts on Frogman? Well, I should mention that um, when I first heard what they're called, I thought the I thought they were originally called Mob Frogs, not Mod Frogs. So I thought they were like a mafia I mean, at first. I mean, they kind of are. Can, yeah, it, I know, but they're they're like uh, you said they're like businessmen or whatever. But I, I was kind of expecting to see like a like a Don Corleone frog <laughs> at some point. <laughs> so it would be like the but, god um, pigeon, except in frog form. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, the frog pigeon, <laughs> the, the, fro- <laughs> the god frog. Yes. Uh, anyway, um, as uh, as far as uh, the character, um, he was probably one of the more interesting characters in the whole show because 
he had um, he had a little bit of a story arc throughout the series or throughout the season rather. You know, at first he was uh, going after uh, he he went after them because they were in his uh, building, and then uh, he went after them because Scarlet Mage wanted Kippo, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know once once he caught her, they did that whole trope where like the the person uh, going after the a person and the person they're going after are spending time together and then they talk and then he eventually lets her go because he said uh I, and i love the line he said he said uh, uh up here it's it's uh what was it, it was like um it's kind of suicide m- to uh mute, mute eat it's a mute eat mute world or something like that yeah and he said, and then he said, uh, so so you don't belong up here. Go back to your people. Yeah, in a very not a. Um, I'm going to let you go. It was a very much. You better get out of here before it gets before it catches up with you. Yeah, let's go before he changes his mind. Oh God, he's changing his mind. Run! <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. I love that that moment. <laughs> I do love the comedy in this show. I, I do love that it, it, it. Everyone's got quips that don't feel out of place at just the right moment. Yeah. I think I already talked to you about this. My favorite was uh, the the scene when they were leaving the uh, the rats place. Mm-hmm. They were uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so so the rats up there they have like a amusement park where they just they allow anybody in, and um, you know not everybody plays by the rules. So there was an attack and they were trying to escape. And uh, the rat people, they said, uh, hey, we're, we're sorry for this, but we're going to have to close early for today. Uh, if you don't mind, could you uh, fill out a survey for us? And then the whole <laughs> chasing just stops, like, like a hard stop, so they can, like, fill out a, a survey. And I was like, See, that, that's, that's one of my favorite types of comedy, where there's just this really intense moment, and then it just, it just deadlines for, for a bit. It's just, that's just, just that awkward... Just hard stop is just so funny to me. And, and if you could possibly uh, just forget about the giant attacking bird, we really appreciate it. <laughs> hey, it wasn't their fault. It, it, it kind of was. No, it wasn't the rat's fault. It was the it was uh, Kippo's fault. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's what I meant. It wasn't their fault. No, it wasn't. No, you're right. The rats were of all the character <laughs> the mutes we meet. They are probably the the most good natured ones that we meet. Oh yeah. Definitely, not uh, not like uh, you know the the water microbe guy. The what was his name? Tad Maholland. Like that was the opposite of nice. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Well, he 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 thought he was helping them, but he was kind of doing it for his own selfish needs. He was trying uh, he, to eat he, their he, essence for nutrients. <laughs> but he was giving them cool dreams where they were like anime characters beating up monsters <laughs> and stuff. And mad, mad house parties with lots of fans. Uh, <laughs> no, no, the best. Kippo one. got to meet her "quote unquote" mom. Oh God, we're oh we will get into. Actually, that's the next section, but we will get into that. I do, <laughs> I do love the uh, the Mundo's entire. Uh, it's a Cheeto world, uh, fantasy world. Like, what's the best thing in the world? A world made of Cheetos. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I remember Aman. I asked you uh, keep an eye out for uh, a David Lynch reference. Um, mm-hmm. That that was it. <laughs> I'm assuming it's a Mulholland Drive reference. I could be it, wrong. It it, it's fe- a little subtle. It, it feels Lynchian at the very least. And Mulholland Drive is about dreams, so that would fit. Yeah. 
So that is, uh, yeah, that's our, those are our bad guys, and we'll probably talk about some of the other quote-unquote bad guys, because there's a couple other ill-natured, uh, actually, not, while we're in this section here, I'm on, I'm going to let you off your leash and let you talk about uh, good billions and bad billions for a second. <laughs> so, uh, so, so incidentally, I found out about this show. I had not seen any previews for it. I found out about it because uh, another, another voice actor who we might bring up later uh, was retweeting stuff about it because he's in it. I thought, oh, this looks interesting. But then the actor who played Good Billions, who's a guy named John Hodgman, retweeted basically the, the scene where he and Bad Billions do a little rap about space. And I can't... It was so look, good. look, I told you about being pandered to. <laughs> it's a pair of so... werewolves who think they're Carl Sagan <laughs> rapping about space. And they're played by John Hodgman, maybe my favorite writer in the world, and the Jizza from the Wu-Tang Clan, <laughs> who's like top five MCs of all time, maybe? Depends on who you ask. Uh, wait, is that, is that who that was? That's the Jizza from yes. the Wu-Tang Clan, yes. Yes, it was. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought his name was the Rizza. No, the Rizza's the producer. The Jizza is his older cousin. Okay. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm actually I'm actually a little curious to know if they originally wanted to get the RZA and the Jizza. Maybe the RZA just couldn't make it work. Because <laughs> that that would so, that would pan with another joke where where uh, Kipo's sneaking away to go to the uh, the observatory. Uh, mm-hmm. you, as you pass by, they have some photos on the wall, and they have billions, billions, and old dirty billions, presumably because there is no father to his science. That was so great. <laughs> that was great. I, was, I missed that. Oh my god. I don't know anything <laughs> about hip hop, but I caught the the old dirty bastard reference in there. It's I have to go back and see that again. I missed that. I, there's so much great stuff on the walls and in the backgrounds of everything. It, it's it's worth a rewatch. Also, completely indulgent nerdy side reference. I will note there is there is a Wu Tang song where Method Man compares the Wu Tang Clan to Voltron. And notes oh, that no. and notes that Jizza forms the head, so <laughs> that's like a layer six levels deep. Look, the Wu the Tang Clan are, are the Wu Tang Clan are a bunch of nerds, and that's part of the reason I like them so much. They're wonderful. Anyways, hey, they love kung fu movies. Oh, yeah. Um. Anyways, I I no, it's it's not just the rap. I actually I actually really like both of them playing these two sciency werewolves, mm-hmm. partially just for the the delight of what's going on. And also, just I don't know. I mean, it's it's so yeah, it's so bizarre watching what what we're led to believe are like less sophisticated creatures, but no, they they really play up their they've completely absorbed themselves in the world of science and astronomy, and it's it's even more it's even more than some of our characters know. Some of our lead characters think the world is flat. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really enjoyed that episode. I thought that one was a lot of fun. That was, um, that was good. And uh, and Hodgman and Jizza are certainly a part of that, just because, like, where else are you going to get this in the world? No, 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 where? No, we can just shut down the world now, because we, no. we've reached peak. We've reached peak voice acting perfection. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right, we talked about villains a long time. Um, are we okay to talk about some good guys for once? Certainly. Sure. Uh, so um, Rob mentioned that uh, in the Mulholland Drive, not quite episode, but kind of, uh, Kippo is sucked into a dream where she actually meets her mom. Um, because in the show, Kippo's 
an only child is i'm sorry what's the proper term for someone who's lost a parent a disney princess yeah i guess i'll go with that sure (laughs) kippo the princess um so kippo lives underground with her dad because her mom passed away when she was very young but in this flashback episode we do get to see both her dad and her mom together and so uh, we're going to talk about those because her dad is actually very integral to the overall plot, including a plot twist that, as of recording, we don't quite know what's going on. It's, uh, it's kind of up in the air for season two, which was a good hook because that, in- that will uh, hopefully convince people to renew it for a second season. Mm. The- they better. I, I don't know how their metrics work. Netflix changed their rules recently where they, they don't measure length of time being watched. They, they watch... No, they... Do they change it to number of watches or length of watches? I, I, th- I think it's they redefined what a watch constitutes, and they shortened it a lot. Okay. Because I remember that, that, of good news recently, they changed the the layout so that episodes don't autoplay anymore, so that's good. So, as far as Parents for Kippo goes, uh, we're going to talk about Leo Oak and his wife, Song Oak. Leo is voiced by Sterling K. Brown. Um, now, that's a guy who, if you're more of a TV watcher, you've probably seen before. You know, he's Randall Pearson in This Is Us, or he played Christopher in The People vs. O.J. Simpson, which was a very insightful TV movie because I was not paying attention when the whole O.J. car chase thing happened. So this is a good catch-up for a younger person like myself. But you don't know him for that. You actually know him because he was just in Frozen 2. He played the General Matias in that movie. Clearly his defining role. <laughs> And um, then his uh, song is voiced by Ji Young Han, who uh, is a little less prolific. Um, She's done a lot of TV work, uh, mostly as, like, one-episode characters in shows like 30 Rock, The Good Wife, and Grey's Anatomy. Um, She's also uh, Bing Lai in a show I've never heard of before called Bless the Hearts, Uh, but it's a very interesting character animation. And she's also the writer, director, and lead character in a web series called City of Dreams, which is three people who made the show, and it's all about struggling artists. So I'm going to assume it's slightly autobiographical. I'm actually going to... A little bit. I mean, it's, it's possible. It's, I'm reaching here. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take the lead on this one because um, I'm actually not very familiar with Sterling's uh, repertoire yet. Uh, he's just been in... A lot of things that I haven't seen before. Like, I, I haven't watched This Is Us, although I've heard it's very good. It's on its, like, fourth season right now, and it's got a lot of uh, praise. Um, and actually, the creator said they were really excited to work with him because he's, he's actually an Emmy Award-winning actor. Uh, for this particular show, though, he's got a tough but lovable voice because he's not just a dad to Kippo. He's basically the teacher to everyone in this Burrow universe. He's got knowledge of stars of science and he's always pushing everyone to learn more so uh he's really acts as a good teacher with his kind of tougher but more lovable voice that he gives to the character and then uh song for the one episode she gets is on the very softer comforting full voice side um it's kind of interesting that a lot of the characters and a lot of the voices we're going to talk about are african-american but Song is uh, very definitively Asian-American, so it's kind of nice to change up the different character voices that we got from all of this. 
Well, I like them a bunch. I uh, doing research. I, lo- I started looking up some of the actors, and I've definitely seen Sterling K. Brown in something. I I don't I don't remember for the life of me what it was, but I definitely recognize him. Which um, it was the, it was the Angry Birds two movie, wasn't it? Uh, I, I, uh, I'm uh, absolutely uh, certain it was. <laughs> Why would I recognize him from that? He's he's just a digital bird there. <laughs> because that because that's the greatest movie. Uh, I'm sorry, the second greatest movie of all time. <laughs> Right behind Food Fight. <laughs> see, see, you laugh, but I also know the guy who made, um, I think, The Mars Misadventures of Flapjack apparently worked on Angry Birds 2 a bunch, so who knows? Maybe it is. Uh, he's done quite a bit. Um, I, yeah. Is, 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 I, 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 all I remember is that he voices Gideon on Gravity Falls, and apparently he look, just sounds I, like that all the time. Look, I'm not going to hold, and I don't like Flapjack. I never liked that as a show, oh, okay. but I, I won't hold that against the creator. That's fair. Um, I, I'm fully willing to admit it just wasn't my style. That's perfectly fair. Um, back to the topic at hand. Um, I, 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 I know I've seen Sterling somewhere, and I thought he, I really liked his performance. He was very... It, it, was, it was just a good dad voice. Like, he felt... It, it, you could tell... Like, it, it, I thought he did a very good job in acting with Kipo's voice actress of establishing what that relationship was like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given that we mostly see him in flashback, like kind of in bits and pieces here and there um i think that, like i think they just did a really good job of like communicating that really effectively without having to take up a lot of screen time um and he's, he's and he has a good vocal quality for that i think too you know it's very like you know you know deep and very comforting he's it, he has mm-hmm. the kind of vo- he has the kind of voice you want your dad to have because like you know if that guy's your dad like nothing bad's gonna happen and on the topic of uh typecasting this also like he's obviously the most i believe the most hope high profile voice actor no actually the most high profile person in the cast but it doesn't feel like this particular character was created just to suit his voice no i like i was saying earlier i think a lot of this feels like here's here's a character who's a actor we can find that will fit that Mm-hmm. Like the only, like the only people I could think who might qualify might be him and Dan Stevens. They're probably the most relatively high profile people. And in both cases, I feel like they were both cast to fit the character, not the other way around. Yeah, I pretty much feel the same way. He fills that that dad role perfectly. And um, as far as the um, the character goes, I like uh, I like that not only is he you know a single dad, but he's also the the teacher. And based on his performance alone, I can tell that he's the cool teacher. He's he's the he's the teacher you actually look forward to in class because you know he's he's gonna make things a lot of fun. He sings. He plays the guitar. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was a good part of the show was that not just the integration of like background music, but a lot of the characters are actually singers themselves. I think I think it was in episode nine where um, there's like a really trippy dream sequence where uh, Leo is. Uh, singing about the universe basically and it's you know it's full-on yellow submarine trippiness but because sterling is a really good singer it all works out pretty well so uh, on the i guess on the topic of um of song's performance um we only get one episode really to uh understand her backstory um but does she feel that well for the character that we were presented with uh i think so uh, again we didn't really get much of her um I, I do have I do have some some thoughts and theories on on this whole situation, but uh, ooh, goody! I, I <laughs> wait, 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 wait
<laughs> okay, go for it. Okay. <laughs> well, um, a question. I know I don't remember. Did did they ever establish her previously uh, before like this this whole this one one time where we actually met her? They like, like did we did we see a picture of her? I, I don't remember. We did not. Um, yeah. There's been the only. I'm trying to think. There's. Did they mention her name at least? Don't think uh, so. I don't think so. No. Although with the music theme, I think song would have been a very fitting name anyway. So. Uh yes, definitely. Although um, and, and again, this is going into spoilers, and we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves here. Um, it uh, it's later established that Kippo has some powers. Well, yes, every young girl has a, a power deep inside. Yeah. Uh, which I, I figured was going to be a thing because, well, she's pink. Now, hold on, okay, hold which, on Rob. We, we do not discriminate against pink-skinned people on this podcast. <laughs> you can say whatever you want about oh, green-skinned or purple-skinned people, but we have a strict rule from the ACLU not to make fun of pink-skinned people. All right, well, <laughs> well let, let's, let's just roll with it for now because it's, it's just part of my theory. Uh, anyway, um, she... Uh, she didn't really look like any of the other humans, so it, it felt like, you know, something was up with her. And sure enough, she, uh, at one point, grew some fur and had some, like, weird eyes that saw in the dark. And she's part mute, apparently. Or perhaps mm. all mute. We're not, we're not entirely sure. So, my, my theory is, I don't think that she's Leo's daughter. Really? Yeah, because th- we didn't really establish her mom, and that whole dream sequence, that feels like maybe that was just her trying to rationalize a mom in her life. They do a step, yeah, because in the dream, it's kind of, um, they retcon what happened to her mom, because in reality, we're told that she died when Kippo was just young. I'm assuming it was from childbirth, um, but in this dream sequence, they say, uh, no, she was actually kidnapped by giant bunnies. It's a shame of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Which do exist in this world. But, but they're so fluffy, I just want to pet them. <laughs> so your theory is that Kippo is, uh, like, a, a mutant, not a mutant, but, uh, like, a science experiment? I think so. Because they did establish, again, uh, getting ahead of ourselves, that uh, Scarlet Mange and Leo know each other. And he is a scientist. I'm willing to accept that as a theory. Um, it's not really like it's just as plausible that she was born human, but then she was like injected with mute DNA in order to, I suppose, uh, help the humans battle against the, you know, the the beasts that are out there in the real world, and that she was like the first test subject. But whether or not she's actually a birth child of Leo or not, yeah, that that has yet to be established. Yeah, I, I just, I, I just, you know, when I saw that scene, I was just kind of trying to add things up, you know. I'm gonna go into like tons of not forums, like Discord chats, where people are like <laughs> strings on a wall, trying to figure out, like, okay, here's my theory. <laughs> well, I think like Charlie from Always Sunny. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. Well, something I found interesting about that is because I looked up the um, the web comic, and I noticed most of most of the characters who show up in the web comic who are also in the final show. Are noticeably redesigned, uh, like when like yeah. like Benson first shows up. I think he Benson Benson's the guy, right? Dave's the bug. 
Yep, yeah. Benson's the yep. guy. Like when Benson shows up, he's like this older white dude, like not the not the like teen we see. Uh, except yep. Kippo. Kippo looks exactly the same. And I found that interesting. Yeah, the reason f- Well the reason for that was um the webcomic obviously was just one guy doing his own work. Right, right, right. Um but then when they um picked up picked it up for a series mm-hmm. and he was um theorizing how to uh turn it into a TV show. Right, right. Around the same time, um Radford had been acting as a uh, kind of like a, a youth counselor to mm-hmm. uh, communities, like black communities in the Los Angeles area. Oh. And so he wanted to, and specifically he mentioned that he was told by one of the other adults he worked with that the African-American kids aren't used to white people. And so he thought that must be weird in reverse when African-Americans are watching uh, cartoons on television and there's no equal representation for themselves as there are for their white counterparts. So he made a very conscious decision to uh, include a wider African-American cast when he redesigned the characters for the show. Interesting. Hmm. So, and so that, I, I gotta be honest, I thought Radford was black uh, when I was watching the show. I, mean, before, I, I, so I, will be, like, I will be honest, as I watched this, I was wondering, it's like, what, what ethnicity is this guy? I, t- I don't, yeah, I mean, don't feel bad about it, but I felt bad about it. But in the end, it made for a good show, so oh, yeah, I, I no. guess how we got here doesn't matter. No. So, yeah, we went off on a long tangent there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, look, look, it wouldn't be an episode of Dumb Talk if there wasn't an unmotivated tangent at some point. This is a, this is a strong tradition of the show. Uh, a pr- I'll have to watch more, or listen to more episodes, rather. I'll try to find, I'll try to recommend an episode for a show that, like, we've done, like, classic episodes. Maybe there's a show in there that you've actually seen before. Hmm. Actually, Aman just did an episode on uh, Fully Cooly. So I did. So that may pique your interest. Oh, yeah, cool. hopefully that'll be coming out later this month. Actually, we're making really good time. We're, we're usually only, like, done with the first section by one hour into the recording, <laughs> so we're doing awesome. <laughs> We are bad podcasters. We, look, some people like to be short and sweet. We're not those people. <laughs> so, so in covering the uh, the parent characters who we get to see, which is very sad because these are the only parents who we uh, see at all in the show. Um, all the other human characters are presumably orphans, which is a shame. In fact, let's talk about some of those uh, orphans, shall we? Let's move into the main group of characters who we got to talk about. Helping our buddy Kippo on her journey is Benson. Benson is a young boy who has uh, an affection for playing a Walkman and is really into music. Like, this guy really, like, he does action scenes to lo-fi hip-hop music. That is how badass he is. I'm actually surprised that 200 years in the future, there are still cassette tapes hanging around. Look, apparently the cassette tape boom had a lot more legs in this universe. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. I, I'm really going to theorize that they may be magnetic tapes, but cassettes and VHS tapes will outlive any other kind of uh, media preservation out there. It will outlive the internet, it will outlive discs, it will outlive paper books. Cassette tapes will just live forever. Look, you joke, but I have a, I have a degree in this kind of preservation, and you would be shocked at how much older media is way more physically long-lasting than anything we use right now. Like, it's, it's surprising. So should we go back to, like, the really old way? Like, should we be putting all of our movies, like, chiseled it into rock to keep it around longer? I don't know how you'd watch it at that point, but sure. <laughs> we'll just move. Haven't you seen the Flintstones? <laughs> <laughs> they, they made it brought work. To you in, it wor- brought to you in Dino Vision. <laughs> 
Speaking of um, uh, animal sidekicks, uh, Benson is aided uh, by Dave. And you may be hearing that name and thinking, well, Dave just sounds like a normal guy. Uh, Dave is a bug. Dave is uh, is a living, sentient uh, beetle-type creature who has this interesting quirk of going through a metamorphosis basically every day. He starts out as an infant, moves up to toddler, goes up to teenagerhood, and basically he, he gets older and older, shedding his shell each time until he gets to ancient age, dies, and reincarnates as a baby again. But you cannot have a show about... Uh, horrible animals that try to kill and eat you without at least one cute mascot character and that's who we're going to mention mandu mandu is i'm just gonna say what it is he is a four-eyed six-legged blue pig he can't talk he he doesn't have like much inner monologue but he is a cute pig and he doesn't get eaten so he's around for the whole show that is mandu so, voicing these characters, Benson is voiced by Coy Stewart. Now, those of you who are more familiar with Nickelodeon of this age, and I am assuming all of you are, probably have seen this guy before because uh, he is uh, Kevin in the TV show Are We There Yet? Uh, he's also Flint in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but probably best and well known to the modern audience as Troy, the lead character in the show Bella and the Bulldogs. I have seen absolutely none of the shows I have just listed. Me I neither. think I might have still been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when he was on. That name sounds familiar. Then you're going to be the expert for this section. Thank you, Amon. Are you asking me to remember Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Whoa, 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 whoa. That show is, way too, than... that show is way too boring for me to remember. Oh, you, you saw it. That means you're the most qualified. <laughs> yeah, I want you to rack your brain really hard, no matter how boring it was. I got nothing. <sighs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the, the Robitussin of Marvel shows. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, Dave is uh, voiced by Dion Cole. Now, this is the one character, I think, in the entire cast who I could not find any voice roles for. Um, but he's done a lot before. Um, he's uh, Charlie in the series Blackish. He's a frequent member, on, or was a frequent member, on The Conan Show as both a writer and an actor. Um, and he's also done a whole lot of stand-up comedy before. So, I mean, if you just search around Netflix for Dion Cole, you'll probably see his work somewhere. Or you could just turn on your television and watch an Old Spice commercial because he is currently making bank in the recent version of the Old Spice commercials. No, no, not not the look up here, not back to me guy. No, not 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 Terry Crews, but the the more recent version of the character. And finally, to round out the cast. We got a non-dialogue-speaking non small animal in a cartoon. Who could we possibly get to voice this character? Well, let's see here. Tiffany Grant's all the way in Texas, so that wouldn't work out. Mel Blanc's not available at all. Um, oh, here we go. Let's get D. Bradley Baker on the job. Yes, this is the guy who has voiced such iconic roles as Appa and Momo in Avatar The Last Airbender. Actually, Appa was another six-legged creature now that I think about it. Uh, he's Perry the Platypus in Phineas and Ferb. And I'm going to ask, Amon, Rob, mm -hmm. have either of you guys seen the new uh, Green Eggs and Ham cartoon? I have not. I have not, but I've heard many good things as about it. You, you do have to check it out. Um, because as a main plot point in there, D. Bradley Baker plays a character called the Chickaraff. I'm intrigued. And, 
I, just the name itself just kind of conjures images in your mind, doesn't it? It does. It does. Hmm. So yeah, he's he's the guy you go to when you need animal noises, and he's been doing it fantastically for twenty plus years. So uh, Amon, um, these mm-hmm. three characters, um, what you got to say? They're good. I like it. Uh, I I cannot recall if I saw the part of Agent Sealed that Corey Stewart was on, but I like him a lot here. He's really fun. Um, he he just sells Benson's like just like youthful enthusiasm really well. Like when they have the bit where you first introduce him, where he just like steals their bike and is just joyriding it around while listening to music. It's like yeah, yeah. yeah. This feels like an actual teenager who is become used to the apocalypse, and so things like stealing someone's <laughs> bike and joyriding around while you blast your hip-hop tape collection is just a thing you do now. Absolutely. I, I don't hold it against him. I do the same thing. <laughs> well, I won't hold it against him, but I can't say Wolf won't hold it against him. Well. She's a... That's a woman who can hold a grudge. <laughs> um, yeah, but he, he's just a, he's a lot of fun. I like his... His style is really good, um, and I think he play, he plays the character really well. Um, I liked his bit where he meets the cute boy in the bunker, and he's just very taken <laughs> aback by it. That feels like something that will probably get, hopefully, get developed a little bit more in season two because that, that kind of came like right at the eleventh hour. I, I I feel like that's very much a setup for like here's here, we're gonna put a pin in this, and when season two mm-hmm. comes along, we're gonna take the pin out and get back to it. So just keep that in mind. It's a cute boy. I am, I, am ha- I am happy that, yeah, in this this post-apocalyptic, we don't know if we're going to live to tomorrow setting, that we can still find love. Well, I, I, I know definitely when I was seeing people talk about this a line, a lot of them were talking about how, like, uh, like whoever's writing on this talking about kind of like as a queer person, it's like, it's nice to see a gay character where that's just kind of presented, and it's mm-hmm. fine, and it isn't the defining characteristic, it's just there. Um, which I thought was a nice part of the character. This 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 show is very thoughtful in a lot of ways, and I appreciate that. Um, I thought he did really good. I, I love the character. Uh, I love him and Dave as a duo. They they are so much fun together. Um, uh, because uh, I think Benson's the kind of uh, character you can like bounce off of. Because he wor- he he works well with just about everybody, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I think he's he's again he's like he's another character who has a surprisingly upbeat attitude considering all the things that are going on. Yeah, he but um, doesn't it, it is refreshing to have someone who doesn't let um oh by the way um civilization has crumbled uh, there's no running water um yeah it's all good. <laughs> hey whatever as long as I got my walkman <laughs> <laughs> and my best friend who is a bug who has a weird life cycle. Yeah, that uh, I'm gonna be honest. Like, while I think Dion Cole's um, uh, handles the the characterization very well, like this very uh, gruffer personality, uh, Dave wasn't exactly my favorite character. Probably just because he didn't get to do too much. Like he he has some crowning moments of awesome, but overall, I don't really know what else he gets to do in the show. He's he's the one character mm-hmm. here who feels distinctly like comic relief. In part because like I mean he has the whole like aging gag, which is part of it. True, but I, I I mean I think that speaks to your point. He has much less of an arc compared to the other characters. Yeah. Right. I, I guess I guess it's a good thing to have you know one of the one of the mutes on their side. 
That actually that is a good point. Yeah, because if it was all just humans against the mutes, then we might not have any affection for or not affection, but we would we see it as them against the world. So that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It, it would make it all a lot more like kind of like black and white in a way. I think the show isn't really aiming for. Well, they they do strict they do expand that with the different uh, mutes they meet because I'd say about half of the ones that they meet are hostile and the other half are, you know, um, not hostile but like um, benevolent enough. Like the timber cats are tough, but they're not out to kill you. Or yeah. like the the fitness raccoons will kill you, but only with awesome jazzercising. <laughs> I loved the raccoon so much. There, that was that was a wonderful <laughs> episode. Uh, oh yes, absolutely. I'm just like I, I do love it when. Okay, there there's this old movie, this old Scooby Doo movie called um, uh, the Alien Invasion that you've probably seen, where the aliens think all humans dress like people from the 70s because that's what they saw, and so that's how they disguise themselves. That's what the raccoons reminded me of because they clearly got a hold of some the music or some <laughs> movies from the 80s. Their entire aesthetic is just the 80s, like it never died. They, uh, they, found, they found a VHS machine, a bunch of copies of, like, Sweating to the Oldies and the Jane Fonda workout tape. <laughs> and, that's, and, that's their, and that's their context for what culture is. They, they discovered Olivia Newton-John, and they think that just, was just the best thing ever. God bless them for it. They got physical. <laughs> At least they're healthy. This is they, true. they are. That, it's not like it's a bad lifestyle. But when, in moderation. <laughs> I do like that that episode gave Benson a chance to um to uh he was looking for a place to belong and being a DJ gave him a place to belong amongst the raccoons. That was nice. Oh yeah, I really like that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like Coy Stewart's uh, performance of this too because um now um it just kind of maybe because that's what I've been watching recently, but uh it really did remind me of Miles Morales from um uh Into the Spider-Verse. Mm-hmm. As this, uh, you know, very upbeat, um, but still very human character that yeah, you just want to go on adventures with. And the 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 fact that um, he does start out as kind of a con man person because yeah, he is trying to steal their bicycle. Um, it kind of adds to the characterization arc of it all because yeah, he goes from I'm trying to steal from you to I will follow you through the giant corgis of death to help you out, which is a nice arc to have. Um, and then uh, D. Bradley Baker. The one thing I was worried about is that uh, they were just going to have him make some pig noises, and they're going to recycle those noises in every episode. But from every time that Mondu has uh, any vocal affectation, it sounds like it was recorded for that specific scene. So they, they get dozens and dozens of variations of grunts and squeals throughout this show. And honestly, that's all he has to be. D. Bradley mm. Baker just has to be the pig man. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of talent to put uh, so much personality into an animal character. It does. And, and I, I think I think D. Bradley Baker goes very underappreciated because that, that is a that, that is a, a really good talent mm-hmm. to have. And I, I've always said, you know, uh, if you need animal noises... And Frank Welker is not available. We <laughs> call D. Bradley Baker. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I'm, I, there must be people out there who've heard a D. Bradley Baker performance and think it's Frank Welker, which must be so frustrating. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sure. 
I mean, for, I don't know if Frank Welkler is as active anymore because, you know, he's been doing voice acting since the 60s, so he, he's, he's got to like, be, like, semi-retired by now. He's still, he's still doing Scooby-Doo and Fred. Well, I mean, he's going to do that till the end of time. Like, they will bottle his voice and just use that for more iterations of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> they'll, they'll turn him into a Vocaloid. Oh, God! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's too good to let go. We have to preserve it. Oh god. That's an awful, awful image, Rob. Why'd you put that in my head? <laughs> this world is mine indeed. <laughs> oh you say that I uh, God. I can't listen I can't listen to a Miku track ever again now. Um, so yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, when it comes to these characters, uh, they, they fill out the supporting roles very well. I do kind of wish that, uh, maybe De Benson or Dave had gotten a little more in terms of development, because we don't quite know where they come from. Like, we don't, we get tragic backstories for Kippo and Wolf, but we don't quite get any for these two. Yeah, I, I did think that was a little bit odd. Yeah, I feel, I, this feels like one of these things where they, they probably wanted to keep the first season pretty, like, tight and compact. Um, yeah. And then if it gets renewed, they'll they'll then have room to breathe and be like, okay, we can explore more character stuff now, because we know That's... we know this is going to continue for a while. Well, I, I certainly hope so. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like yeah. As of recording, there's not been a confirmation of season two. So, so if the day tomorrow, if season two gets announced, we apologize. We did not know that at this time. Mm -mm. <laughs> I mean, it's happened before. Like stuff like Amphibia got renewed for a second season before season one even premiered. Oh yeah, that stuff like that happens all the time. Yeah, I imagine that's a little more common for TV animation, though, where they want they want like a lot of uh, material to work with, mm. unless they do the you know the Nickelodeon thing where it's like, okay, we'll, we'll we'll pick up your show, we'll put it at a terrible time slot, and if it doesn't get the views, then you're just out of here. That's happened to <sighs> a few too many good shows, people. Oh yes, mm. My, I have an upcoming review on one of those shows. I can't guess which one because I haven't been keeping up with Nickelodeon very often. <laughs> uh, it's not a Nickelodeon show, actually. Oh, oh, that that, that broadens the spectrum a little bit. <laughs> but um, anyways, um, actually, it's interesting we talk about modern cartoons because for our final two characters, both of them happen to be in quite a few modern cartoons. Mm. So moving on to our lead characters, we have Kippo the Wise Wolf. I mean, Kippo and... Actually, her last name's Oak. It's Kippo Oak, who is our pink-skinned, uh, science-obsessed, 13-year-old protagonist who is just washed up into the surface world um, and yet is adapting to it very well. I'm very glad about that. But her first interaction with a human on the surface is Wolf. Wolf is a young, I'm going to say, like, 10-year-old girl who is not called Wolf for no reason. She is actually donning the pelt of one of the wolves and that that is her getup and we find out in a flashback episode that she was actually taken in by a family of wolves thought to believe that they were accepting her as a daughter turns out they were just training her to be good prey for their children and now she's got trust issues and she wields a giant scorpion stick which is awesome mm -hmm. so lee Voicing the lead characters, Kippo is voiced by Karen Fukuhara, who you may have heard in stuff like um, she's Alexis in Craig of the Creek, um, and if you've been keeping up with the new She-Ra cartoon, she is the character Glimmer. 
But I'm sure that all of you saw the Academy Award-winning movie Suicide Squad, where she voices the character of Katana. Doesn't voice character, is Katana in the movie. I'm sorry. That's a live-action movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure she didn't have any speaking roles in that movie. <laughs> all right, so I, the, I did saw, not voice Katana. <laughs> I saw that movie. I'm... She w she just was Katana. She didn't speak. I can't remember if that character had lines. I, I'm going to be honest, like... Most of that movie has just left my brain at it's this point. Very, it, it's all, all I remember about it is Will Smith and Terrible Joker, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. And uh, on the plus, mm -hmm. we are getting a sequel, which will hopefully be a lot better. I'm James Gunn directing. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine it'll be worse than the first one. If it's if it's worse, I will be legitimately surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, only way to go from here yeah. is up, unless we stay exactly where we are. <laughs> and so, Wolf is voiced by Sydney Michaela. Um, she's also in Craig of the Creek. She's voice of Maya. She's also in We Bear Bears. Uh, she's voice of Kit. And um, Jumping Networks. She's in The Loud House. She voices the character of Joy in that series. So this is uh, th these are the sisters of the show. They started out as. Just the odd couple, and they develop into a sister dynamic. So, uh, Rob, do do they sell sisterhood in the apocalypse for you? Uh, as well as you can, I think. They 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 very much are the odd couple. Um, and I, I I actually I love Wolf a lot. I love her just just the character, uh, like all around. And um and whenever you got like a character like a really reserved kind of grumpy character with uh, another character who's just positive and happy and wants to be friends, and you you get a lot of a lot of fun interactions. Would you would you classify her as the dreaded anime trope of a tsundere? Because that that is a mm. damning critique, if we can classify her as that. Definitely not at first. It's not like I want to go to the borough with you or anything, Baka. <laughs> I, I I feel like the difference is when I think of Sundares, they're usually embarrassed because they don't want to talk about their romantic emotions. Meanwhile, I feel like Wolf is just worried that she will be horribly betrayed and rejected again. But she feels like, a little more, which is yeah. a little more substantial than your stereotypical Sundare like rationale. Yes, you're you're right. Thank you for defending yeah. that that critique. I know that I know we don't use tropes as like the benchmark of critique or anything, but when you watch a lot of cartoons, it's hard not to see patterns. No, knowing your archetypes can be important. There's nothing wrong in that. Right, and yeah, to your point, Rob, uh, Wolf is definitely a dynamic that really does carry a lot of the conflict on the show in a good way. Like she she's against finding the humans or she's against trying to recruit the timber cats or like she's she's against a lot of their plans but she still goes along with it and she's a great ally because she is just a really good fighter yeah she's uh she's seen a lot that's for sure that that was a tragic episode that was just sad to watch oh god that was yeah it, it made you it made you think about that wolf pelt she has on her mm. back I wonder which one of her family that is. No, I, I don't want to think about it. Can we not um, think about it? Don't, don't be ridiculous. It is clearly the sister whose betrayal hurt the most. Hmm. Who else would it I, be? 
I put, I, probably I, yeah I put the pelt on but it hurts me more than it hurts you <laughs> <laughs> no actually I'm pretty sure this hurts me more <laughs> that's awful what one thing uh, I'd I'd like to know is uh where did they find her because when, when she was with the wolves she was wearing like nice like clothes she was wearing a I, I thought it was a school uniform like it, it looked kind of like a, yeah yeah so I'm assuming that Here's my theory. Mm-hmm. Um, get your tinfoil hats on. I'll put this one on here. I'm assuming that she there was a human school or a human civilization above ground and that she was a part of that. And that's why she was dressed in a uniform because they were still trying to have some semblance of society. And that's the group that we see Charlemagne controlling in uh, when we first see him, or at least one of the groups that he kidnapped. And that's what she's running from when we first see her in that flashback episode. Hmm. I mean, I can't imagine, I don't know, we don't know anything about, like, her birth parents came from. We don't even know her proper name. Nope. Season two. Could, <laughs> could be. Hope, hopefully. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be hard to change the, once you call her Wolf throughout the whole show, you, you can't change the name. You, you just can't. Yeah, yeah, and she, she didn't, she didn't, like, try to correct them ever. No, she was, no, she, I, I think she, she just went with it. She's just Wolf. Cognitive dissonance. Although, yeah, that's all she has. Although I would find it hilarious if it turns out her name actually is Jolene. That would be—I would find that very entertaining. That, <laughs> that would be a twist. I'm just gonna pick a random <laughs> name, um, Jolene, and she's like, "Bitch, how did you know that?" Well, cl- cl- clearly, her parents are big country music fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I think Sydney did a really good job on um, playing up the raspier side. Um, like, she's a raspier voice than Kippo. She's got more of a vernacular speech pattern. Um, but she never comes off as hateable. There, there have been characters who were supposed to be tough and likable and just couldn't play up the likable part of it. Uh, probably because she doesn't do anything wrong in the show. Except for one thing. She does uh, yeah. She does withhold uh, a map leading to where Kippo's dad and the rest of her her people are just because she does not want to let her go. She does not want this adventure to end. Uh, I hate that trope so much. Luckily, it only lasted one episode. Yeah, they, they resolved it very quickly. Yeah, and I can't. So. I, I can't say it wasn't used well. Like that trope is usually supposed to like, um, like stretch the plot out a little bit more. But I feel like it really helped with develop showing how Wolf had changed over time. Because originally, if she'd found that map right away, she probably would have just given it to Kippo and said, "Fine, get out of here. You're bugging me." That's poison plant. Do you want to die? But uh, by that episode, no. She, she'd fully accepted Kippo and probably the rest of them as family that she didn't want to leave behind. So, yeah, good job on Sydney because that, there were a lot of dynamics in there that were handled really well. And like I said, I think she was like 15 or 16 when they recorded this. Mm. And now for the big one. Uh, Karen Fukuhara. Aman, what you think? Uh, well, Starf, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up that both of these actresses are in Craig of the Creek, which is another cartoon that has a cameo by a beloved rapper for who knows what reason. Uh, so you're going to have to tell me do you remember? Do you remember, you've seen Craig of the Creek, right? Only bits and pieces of oh, it. Oh, there's an episode where they run into a robot kid named Deltron, uh, and that is a reference to the rap group Deltron 3030, which is, um... Uh, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, who you might, he's the rapper on, uh, The Gorilla's oh. Clint Eastwood, if you know that song. Yeah. Yeah, he, yeah. he's like, he's like the rapper in this, it's like this, 
concept album about this sci-fi dystopia. It's great, by the way. You should all listen to it. Uh, and they basically got him to come on and do a Deltron song just for this. <laughs> I, so I by that lo- Look, I'm enjoying this trend of 90s rappers showing up in kids' cartoons and <laughs> doing new material. It's like, this is wonderful. It is. It's not like they're, they're like, it's not like, okay, this is a popular person who the kids will recognize. This is very much, no, I don't think the kids will know who GZA no, this, is or who Deltron no, this, is. This is this is all very much like the people who make Craig of the Creek like Deltron and like, can we get Del the Funky Homo Sapien on our show? <laughs> and then it's like, look, the worst he can do is say no, and then it works out. <laughs> Everyone's happy. I mean, that would explain why um, Weird Al gets asked to cameo in so many cartoons because you know, everyone wants to, him to be in their show the, the, he's so good it helps that he's good and that the original Weird Al generation is 100% like at that age too so like <laughs> they're like this is all I wanted to do when I was 12 I make a cartoon and Weird Al's in it heck yeah I, I've achieved my dream it, it was easier than it, I thought in fact you know what am I doing recording this if you guys will excuse me I'm gonna go uh, make a cartoon now <laughs> Um, uh, but to talk about Sydney and Karen, I thought like I thought both of them did a really excellent job. Um, like I agree with you a lot about Sydney. I thought she she's good at being like you know she's very tough. She's good at doing that you know loner thing, um, but not to the point where it like completely covers up the fact that like Wolf's a ten year old girl, and she's like she's clearly toughened herself up because that's what you need to do to survive upside in this in this day and age. Um, but there's clearly, like, yeah, she would like to have friends, people who are close to her. She would like to open up again. Uh, and I thought she did a good job of maintaining that, like, initial characterization, but also letting the, the way it expanded and grew come through very well. Like, the scene, the scene where she, like, gives the map back and she starts, like, you know, crying because it's like, I didn't want you to leave, because you might leave. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want this to stop. And it's like, it, it, that, that, that would felt very genuine and heartfelt. Um. Yeah, it was just she. She gives a really good performance. I've been like very impressed by this. Yes. Uh, and Karen's also really good. Like I, I know her mostly from uh, watching She-Ra, where she's. I, I think she's also very good as Glimmer. And this was fun because like it's a very different character from what Glimmer is. Uh, she's Kipo is a lot more. She's very spunky and curious, and it's very lucky she doesn't get herself killed accidentally in the first five minutes. That's a very distinct <laughs> possibility, frankly. I, I should be hiding, I should be looking for people, but I gotta play a guitar solo. That's it's, all I gotta do right now. It's like, I'm, 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 I'm outside the bunker. This is amazing! I can look at the stars now! Um, she just... I, uh-huh. I, I do like the... Her, her, almost her first action is, Ah, the sun! It's gonna burn <laughs> me alive! <laughs> the day star! <laughs> No, I just, I, I really enjoy, like, the enthusiasm she gives Kipo. Um, and also, like, the, the more, sort of, as, like, the dramatic elements come in, as she realizes she has these powers that she doesn't know where they came from and she can't really explain, and just the anxiety she feels about that and how that will affect her relationship with her friends. Um, and, you know, how what will that mean when we get back to the bunker? How's that going to shake out? Does, do my parents know about this? Um, you know, the point where she has a whole fantasy sequence where it's like, no, this is something I got from my mom, and my mom's going to help me see through this, and it's going to be normal. Um, now, now, I, 
Now, on that part there, I could be um, stretching what they were trying to go for, but mm -hmm. it felt like a that whole sequence of her dealing with her hair growing off mm -hmm. her arm felt like a giant coming to terms with puberty metaphor. I mean, I, f I feel that is the very obvious and on-point read for that. I d I'm not going to disagree with that <laughs> at all. I mean, it's very easy to make that kind of connection. Yeah, yeah when, she, when she turns 13, like, yeah. I mean... I mean, she didn't get her letter to Hogwarts, but she got something just as cool. I mean, really, Hogwarts, it's a, it's a castle by a lake. This is much cooler. <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would much rather be in the post-apocalypse so there's a bunch of mutant animals running around who may or may not kill me. Like, that sounds way more fun in my book. I won't deny it. That I, I, would, I would rather be in this world than the Harry Potter one. <laughs> uh, I... Thought she was amazing, especially considering she was Katana and had no speaking roles again. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked when I when I looked up her name and I saw that. I was like, wow, really? <laughs> like, all right, I'm glad she's talking now. Um, uh, yeah, she was really good. Um, it's uh, it, it's it's always great to have like a like a positive character in a in a you know a world like this, and. Um, yeah, it, she she and she has to be like the right level because if she's you know if she's too overbearing, then it's gonna be feel I guess not really natural. But uh, she was she was more um, restrained when in in that regard. In that um, <coughs> excuse me, in that uh, she was. She she was you know determined and she was trying to stay positive, but at the same time you know she was aware of the reality around her. I, I was trying to think while watching the show because uh, the creator said that they wanted to make this post-apocalyptic world kind of like Wonderland, like they specifically wanted to be feel like mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland. Um, you know, it's just after society collapses. So I was trying to think, have I ever seen? Because I've seen quite a few Alice in Wonderland adjacent things before like there's spirited away there's the like portal anime that we've seen a lot of recently and in all of those i don't think i've really seen a character quite like kippo in any of them that's true and that's i've actually uh, i've heard people compare this to the wizard of oz actually yeah that i mean yeah. that that was kind of the original portal anime well no no actually no before that the original portal anime was um a uh Connecticut, a Connecticut, Yan a Yankee, and a King Yankee Arthur, Connecticut, and King Arthur's in court. King Arthur's court. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, remember, the, the, uh, remember, kids, Mark Twain invented isekai. You heard it here. <laughs> God, he did. I know we joke about it, but he really did. <laughs> Dude, if Mark Twain was alive today, he, he would be on Mal forums, and he would be having YouTube videos about the newest simulcasts, <laughs> and he would be on this podcast talking about Kippo. The the dude would be a huge ass cartoon nerd. I guarantee you. Just, just arguing in a very folksy accent. Uh, have you read? Have you read uh, Puddinghead Wilson? Because I'll that be honest, entire, I've never that... been able to get over the name. <laughs> what well, is goofy? I'll give... I only bring it up because when I think Mark Twain, I think I think a shit poster. He was the original Twitter shit poster because every one of I the mean... chapters in that book is just, like, a truthism wrapped up in a sarcasticness. I mean, he, he, he is a man who wrote a sequel to maybe his most famous book and dedicated an entire section to making the lead character of said book look like just the biggest asshole in the world, so that checks out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, 
we were talking about we were talking about cartoons i'm sorry but yeah as you were saying this is kind of like the wizard of oz in the just the um being transported to uh, another dimension and in um accruing weird friends along the way and yeah i think karen's uh karen has to balance that mix of i'm overwhelmed by the surface world but i'm also fascinated by it too because she's just a naturally curious individual by the way that she was brought up she was brought up to question how everything works to be fascinated by the science of everything and it's really fun watching that personality play out with the way that karen balances her uh more normal sounding voice when she's just talking and then she like dips into a lower register when she's like i'm getting really overexcited about this or she's trying to imitate her dad like, Kippo, you're supposed to be applying yourself. It builds character. I don't need more character. I just need to find you. I do love the, the little touches throughout the whole show. Like, the, the way to find her dad is the length of a parsec, which is, what was that? 3.26 light years is how long a parsec was. Just the little details there. I really like that. So I can't really think of any other way I would have had this character act or like a better performer for this it was really good and now i really do need to follow i need to actually watch the she-ra cartoon because i kind of want to hear a shimmer now like glimmer not shimmer shimmer (laughs) glimmer shine that's a different cartoon (laughs) um so yes we have gone through the entire cast list um I uh, Aman, did we forget to talk about any of the Armuts um, that are worth talking about? I, I'm asking legitimately because I think we covered them all. Uh, the one, the two that spring out are the leaders of the Cobras, the Snake Lady. And, oh yeah, uh, the Umlaut. I mean, and I, I mean, I also liked the Lumberjack Cats a lot because. <laughs> yeah. Look, if you've met me, that's like yes, of course, of course, Aman likes this. I like how they're all really stumpy, oh. but they're still eight feet tall. That's my yeah. fa- that's my favorite design aspect in this show. <laughs> they should they should be really durable and rounded, and they are twice as tall as any other character. It's wonderful, and they're led by Steve it, Bloom. That's the best part. That, yeah, that, that was the fir- Steve Bloom playing a uh, axe wielding cat, a, a lumberjack axe wielding cat. All that all that all that well honed <laughs> gravitas put into the fact that he can't catch a butterfly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and on on the topic of the snakes, um, uh, I should notice that uh, Gray Griffin, or uh, as you know, her uh, Gray Delisle, uh, voiced the leader of that group, and we got Joan Jett in here as one of the other snakes in that sequence. Yeah, that was shocking. <laughs> and again, I don't think I don't think it was like written for her exactly, I, but but it fit. I I, I feel like they were probably just like. We're in we're in L.A. Are there any like are there any, like female rock, are there any female rock musicians to be interested in this? And they just call around. And it's like Joan Jett says she'll do it, and it's like wonderful. We'll get Joan Jett. Sure, heck yeah, I want to do this. Joan Jett appeals more to the metal kids. That's that's true. You're right. Yeah. No that that was a be- that was a very stellar uh, improv rock show that they put on with Kippo. <laughs> oh, that was good. That's what I was saying I love about the show is that every, even if you don't like the overall premise of the show about, like, you know, humans living in a world of supernatural creatures, the individual episodes just have a lot of fun everything to them. The one show it reminds me the most of is actually the miniseries Over the Garden Wall, which also had that 10-episode limit, and each individual episode is just its own standalone world, while also on the journey to try to get home. 
So. That's, that's not a point of comparison I thought about, but you're not wrong. Yeah, I can see it. Also, also a show that heavily panders towards me by accident, so that's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised that you like like I, you messaged me on like what was it uh, Halloween time saying Have you seen this show? Because I think it'd be right up your alley. It, it, I'm like, heck yeah, I've seen this show. You're, you're you're the most animation aficionado person I know. It is very important to me that you've seen Over the Garden Wall. <laughs> po- possibly my favorite cartoon ever? Question mark. Really. All right. Well, uh, join us again next year when we uh, we cover Over the Garden Wall with the same group. Can I please talk about Elijah Wood playing an anxiety-filled teenager? <laughs> like that will make me so happy. Save it for Halloween. Okay. Not a, not a bad idea. <laughs> so um and so yes, we've come to the end of our cast list here. Um so Rob, what we usually do is um to wrap things up, we just let each individual person say their final thoughts to wrap up the podcast. So um Rob, since you are our guest of honor. Go ahead and give us your final thoughts on the show overall. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I think uh, it uh, it has a, a great design, great visuals. Um, the music. We didn't really uh, talk about the music of the show. Um, it's very hip hop based. Yes. Which I, I I thought was kind of an interesting choice because usually with a like post apocalyptic world, you go with sort of melancholy stuff or maybe like synthwave and as, as much as i i love synthwave <laughs> it is a bit overused especially nowadays because it's that they have it in like stranger things and infinity train and it's kind of everywhere but um it was a nice refreshing change from that um yeah i i uh, i enjoyed the show um it's enough to at least make me want to watch the second season to see where this whole thing goes and to see if my crazy theories are correct, that's the most important part. Yeah, we're we're gonna hold you to that. We'll we'll you know we'll we'll check back in after season two and we'll compare notes and we'll this giant chalkboard I've got that's got millions and millions of theories on it. We'll find out which ones are right. All right, <laughs> and then we'll rap about it. Cool. And so you see, Robin bringing you here to talk about the show that is very clear. And now we're gonna talk about the theories that we made one year ago when season hit. I can't rap. I'm going to stop now. Sorry. I don't, I don't know. This is the second time you've done one of these, and they both turned out pretty solid for something you made up off the top of your head. I think... Don't, don't let me do this. Don't let me do this, Amon. Don't let me embarrass myself. Fine. <laughs> At least not when the microphones are rolling. It's fair. But it brings in the views. <laughs> <laughs> It will be interesting to see how the, how the our normal listeners react to this because again this is outside our normal wheelhouse. Indeed. So, so Aman, um, so veering out of the realm of what we normally talk about, what do you think of Kippo and the, the dub? The, Not show, the dub. I'm sorry, the voice acting. This show, I mean, this show is great. Um, I'm a big fan of the Fallout games in part because I find something fascinating about wandering around like. <laughs> civilization was here and now it's gone everything's just kind of burned out and overgrown like that's that's some of the most fun i have in those games just kind of like wandering around new areas and this is one of the first shows i think i've seen that it felt like it recaptured that feeling of just like there used to be stuff here and now there's just kind of remnants and things that have built over it and life has gone on in some form or fashion and i i I really i really enjoy that uh, I, I think the voice acting here is really top notch. I, I think this is a this is a really just good, well rounded show. It's really funny. It has like good, strong, dramatic moments that I think are sold really well. Um, 
I, I really hope this does get renewed for a second season. I would love to see more of this. Um, again, it is... It made John Hodgman a werewolf who thinks he's Carl Sagan. A thing that I, I will never stop talking about and cannot thank him enough. It, it, you know what? This is, this is a show that got me to listen to Dan Stevens, a respectable, legitimate actor, make monkey yelling noises. And I can, I can never thank it enough for just bestowing me with this gift. It, there is some producer out in L.A. who had no idea that they were like your clone or your they were on your wavelength <laughs> but they are they're just a, another version a coked up version of you over on the other side of the country <laughs> i'm assuming they're coked up i don't, I don't know what the drug uh, of choice is i mean they're, they're 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 hollywood executives cocaine never goes out of style <laughs> sadly <laughs> See, I, I'm seeing snow outside my own window here in Michigan. They got a different kind of snow in California. <laughs> That's some true facts. Um, but yeah, no, this show, like this show, is wonderful. I had such a blast watching this. I highly recommend it. It is an excellent time. And I am really glad that both of these fine gentlemen agreed to talk about this because when I when I saw it, I didn't even plan to do an episode on this until I'd seen the whole thing. I didn't even know I was going to watch this until again it dropped. Um, a month ago, and I've just got suckered into the entire world of this, mostly because I don't know another show quite like this. I, I know shows that have elements like this, like we talked about Attack on Titan or Fallout games or anything like that, but this really feels like its own individual thing. It's fun, and it's really how ha- it invests you into the characters with a plot, with some mystery in the plot that does reward your continuous watching. It's got great fight and action scenes there's like a flight on dragonflies through crumbling building scene there's fights in the sky there's battles all over the place there's hummingbirds who send explosions that are fighting against foul smell spewing motorcycle skunks that like how where else are you going to get that nowhere but kippo and the age of wonder beasts so is the voice acting great yes it is um, it's a diverse cast that, and I don't just mean diverse in like the ethnical sense. I mean the uh, sound of the different characters, which is something you need in an ensemble cast. No one sounds exactly the same as each other, and they all fill a necessary niche in uh, stre- in expanding this massive world without having to just sit down and tell us what happened 200 years ago. Because as of this point. We don't know what happened 200 years ago that led the world to be like this. We may never find out. And honestly, it's not really important. It's just a fun watch. And I, I really hope it gets the second season. So, um, to wrap this all up, as we always do, if you would like to watch Kippo and the Age of Wonder Beasts, it is currently streaming on Netflix. Um, I, I'm, sure, I'm assuming that most of you, at least 99% of you, have a Netflix account. So, if you're you know getting tired of rewatching Stranger Things or are... Uh, hankering for something to watch while Green Eggs and Ham Season 2 is in production, turn on Kippo and the Age of Wildebeest. Not Wildebeest, Wonderbeast. <laughs> That's the one animal we didn't run across. There were no Wildebeest in the show, yet. Yet. <laughs> oh, I, knew, I knew I was going to make that, that error at least once. So, um, yeah, that's where you can watch the show. Check it out if this, any of this interests you. And if you'd like to check us out here on Dub Talk, uh, you are listening to us on our YouTube channel. 
feel free to subscribe. Help us uh, expand the brand as we continue to watch different kinds of cartoons. Because I finally got to do an episode on a real cartoon. Feels so good. Thank you, both of you, so much for helping us out here. Um, before I hand off to you guys, um, I do want to say we have some patrons. We have uh, fine individuals who are part of our monthly Patreon group. First up, we have our $5 patrons. We have Nico Robbins, but with Yowie hands. We have Michelle Travis. And we have Crimson Echidna. Thank you all very much. And we also have our $10 patrons. We have Marissa Lenti. We have J2, also known as Jared. We have Jacob Wilson. We have WeB. Wonderful group. Thank you, Alejandro Saab and company. And we have Carly Lestikow. Every one of you are amazing and awesome, and we could not do this podcast without you, so thank you all very much. Now, Rob, I want to hand the microphone to you because I want you to tell us not only uh, where we can find your work, but also what you are currently doing, because you had a bit of a big announcement not too long ago, if I remember correctly. Uh, yes, I did. Um, uh, as I said earlier, uh, my name on YouTube is Rob the Wonderful. I have a series called Cartoon Clip Show where I review cartoons, uh, usually from the 80s or 90s, but I, I, I'll do just about anything. Um, I do have a, a video that I'm working on soon, but I won't reveal what I am reviewing just yet. Uh, I would like to mention, though, that I am very close to 7,000 subscribers. Like, very close. Nice! And I, 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 every 1,000 subscribers, I like to do a little Q&A video, so uh, hopefully we can uh, cross that uh, marker soon. Uh, I also recently announced that... Uh, I'm interested in producing an animated pilot, and I'm kind of looking for artists, animators, anyone, you know, willing to you know, maybe lend their voice or do some audio, do some audio work for me. Uh, we're still still kind of uh, at the beginning of this, uh, so I still need to find an artist and get get some help with this because i actually did write a pilot uh for about a year uh maybe a year or two ago and i'd like to get it produced hopefully so uh i'm looking for help with that dude that is that i'm wow i'm really hoping that that goes somewhere <laughs> because that that is the dream that everyone who's like in the cartoon or animation reviewing or podcasting industry are just people who want to make cartoons themselves so you are actually doing it man hope it goes far for you yeah, so do I. It's been uh, rather quiet lately, but uh, we'll, we'll keep uh, we'll keep looking. Well, I'm I'm hoping this uh, gets the word out there. So, uh, any of you guys listening who um, have experience in an art and animation who are looking to expand your repertoire a little bit, reach out to Rob because he is working on something special. Speaking of special, mm -hmm. Amon Duel. Who are you? My name's Amon. Uh, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Amon Duel US. Duel has two U's in it. Uh, I talk about uh, movies and comic books, and uh, I talk a lot about music. No, would you would you like a dusty old song for the episode? D I would be honored to hear your dusty old song. Uh, now, the as we said before, the music in the show is excellent, uh, and they have they do many wonderful uh, songs in various styles. There's a great folk song about badass lumberjack cats. Uh, at one point, they do like a a like, very on point, like straight up like country torch song ballad, which I was very impressed by. Um, but because, as we mentioned earlier, I am enamored with the werewolves. 
I'm going to give you recommendations related to the werewolves. Uh, John Hodgman has done a little bit of singing, not a lot, uh, but him and his his buddy and feller internet darling Jonathan Colton do a very nice version of the uh, 20s pop song uh, Tonight You Belong to Me, which you can find on YouTube. I quite like it. Uh, and the Jizza, I do not have I do not have the know-how to properly recommend the Wu-Tang Clan <laughs> experience because it is enormous. Uh, but the Judah has put out a solo album that I quite like called Liquid Swords, which I highly recommend. Yes! I th- uh, thank you. <laughs> I'm just thinking of that meme. Mr. Obama, <laughs> what's your favorite Wu-Tang Clan album? What What does it have to do? Liquid Swords! <laughs> it's good. Um, if, you, if, if, you, if you like a particular song to try out, I recommend uh, the opener, Liquid Swords, which gives you a good sense of Jizz's style by himself. And if you want to hear him in more of a group context, there's a song on there called Fourth Chamber, which... I, I've heard people argue that this might be the best, like, Wu-Tang affiliate song, period. Uh, also, wow. it starts out with a uh, clip from a movie called Shogun Assassin, uh, which you might know better for the uh, j- the uh, members of the Japanese film series that is an adaptation of a little movie called Lone Wolf and Cub. Hello? I have not seen that. No, I have not seen that yet. Oh, it's well. Well, Shogun Assassin's like fine, but Lone Wolf and Cubs well worth your time. I've heard more good. I haven't heard much about the the anime, but I've heard really good things about the manga. Well, there's no anime, I don't think. There's a manga. Oh, there's a live. It just a- is the manga. Yeah, it's a manga and a live action film series. That's what it is. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, That's very fitting for a for this show, which has a character named Wolf. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hopefully, things work out better. <laughs> Well, you know, she got a friend in the end. I mean, I mean, most of her family's dead already, so it can't go that way. <laughs> as far as we know, at least. Come on, season two. All right, and my name is Noah Clue. You can follow me on Twitter at Noah Clue. I have a YouTube channel which I'm working on writing stuff for, but as I am currently juggling three children, a wife, work, and sanity, uh, that is just kind of available when as is but uh hopefully i will have something up on that but for them now follow me on twitter i post about cartoons and yeah car- cartoons are awesome we talked about a real cartoon and that is the episode ladies and gentlemen Woohoo! um i guess uh everyone uh, say your goodbyes as we head into that great podcast in the sky rock on boston rock on cleveland they don't uh, they don't exist anymore <laughs> not in this world well <laughs> Uh, well uh thanks for having me on uh i hope i did a good job because i am getting over being sick everyone aloha and otaku on my friends yeah later